Is there a large, red-eyed, flying monstrosity that is a harbinger of doom that appears before disaster known as the Mothman? Sightings of the creature have, have happened around the world and almost always seem to happen before disaster. Let's dig into that a little bit more. The Mothman. From a child born into this world, we are taught what to believe. Close-minded, we become fearful to be deceived. Still, we desire to know what lies beyond that locked door. The art of the storyteller, conjuring tales of legend and lore. History hidden, lost knowledge, things forgotten, and the unknown. These are the things that direct us and will set the tone. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Nightmares on the Lost Highway. First scene near Point Pleasant in West Virginia, the Mothman legend begins in 1966, November. Uh, the first sighting is two young couples, Roger and Linda Scarberry, and Steve and Mary Millette. They claimed uh, they saw a, they saw a large gray creature. Is what they reported to police, with eyes that glowed red when the car light the car's headlights struck them. Uh, they described it as a large flying man with with ten foot wings that followed their car as they were driving out of what was known as the TNT area, the site of a former World War II munitions plant. I think, uh, Eric, you, you wanted to talk yeah, about I, that a little I, bit. I did a little research on this TNT area, um, and it was it's it's almost a standalone story itself. Um, at one time, that area was 8,000 acres, it said, uh, used during World War II as an ammunition-making uh, plant. Uh, and due to the explosive nature, they were the explosives were actually stored in kind of an underground igloo-shaped bunkers, uh, hundreds uh, of these things covered with earth, which kind of gives it a, a creepy kind of setting, anyhow, almost for a horror film. Yeah, I've, I've seen pictures of it. It's it's kind of a weird-looking place. Now, of course, I mean, if you're a Mothman and you need a place <laughs> to hang out, maybe to live, you well, some, know, to, some to, hang your, to hang your coat. Yeah, some people claim the Mothman was living amongst those uh, buildings. What better place than, like, these cavernous-like bunkers? Uh, but yeah, and in, in its peak, it had nearly a thousand employees at this place. It was huge, and of course, part of that uh, making of the explosives left all types of contaminated soil and water, uh, making people ill, uh, and possibly adding to the paranormal activities, feelings, and sensations even today. Uh, they've they've tried to kind of reclaim it. Uh, they've done a lot of the big section as they declared as a wildlife res- refuge area. Uh, still, the other part is a landfill. <laughs> uh, so there's that it's considered today as kind of prime hunting and fishing grounds. Uh, however, they ironic did, they recently had a explosion there. They did. Well, I'll get to that, but they <laughs> said the hunting and fishing grounds. Okay. This is what it's known for and wildlife refuge. However, it's still listed on today's EPA's national priority list <laughs> as hazardous waste management. But yeah, um, in May of 2010, luckily no one was injured in this, but there was what was described as an accidental explosion, which resulted from what they believed to be 20,000 pounds of unstable materials left in one of these bunkers. Obviously, it collapsed the bunker and several around 
it doesn't sound like a good place to be. Maybe you're the one that's being hunted when you go here, you know. As a, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't sound like mankind should be frequenting that area. Hunting and fishing. I'm not sure I'd want to eat anything out of that area. But, uh, yeah, that's creepy enough uh, by itself. Well, in this area, for over the course of, of almost just over a year, but you know, up until December 15th of 1967, multiple people claimed to have seen this Mothman-like creature. Some associated it with the sightings of UFOs. Mm-hmm. Some... Uh, I mean, a lot of people just thought it lived in the the TNT area. Uh, Over the next few days, uh, and and, and like I said, almost a year, uh, they say at least 100 people probably saw the Mothman. Very common sightings. Now, like with anything like this, the little green men and and the like, the experts say there were probably more sightings than what were actually reported because, of course, people don't want to seem crazy when they talk about seeing... Don't want to be ridiculed. Yeah, they don't. A giant flying humanoid creature. There were lots of anecdotal tales of the Mothman attacking the roofs of parked cars occupied by teenagers. Mm-hmm. So, of course, what better way to, uh, hey, we weren't out there doing anything. We got attacked by the Mothman. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't uh, for lack of trying, but that pesky Mothman. Yeah. Two volunteer firemen said uh, they saw what they described as a very large bird with red eyes at one point. The Mason County Sheriff, George Johnson, he commented on the sightings and said that it was probably due to an unusually large heron, uh, for which he used the term shite poke. Shite poke. Kind of a weird word there. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. And the heron, the bird, of course, it, it seems to be a common... I think it does come it, up it, a lot. Excuse the Mothman, it was really this. And I'll, I'll kind of describe that a, l- a little bit later. Contractor Newell Partridge, he told uh, Sheriff Johnson... He saw the creature, and when he aimed his flashlight at it in a nearby field, the eyes glowed as if uh, like they were bicycle reflectors. He also blamed the, the beast for buzzing noises on his television and the disappearance of his German shepherd. Ooh, dog the, meat. The buzzing noises on the TV, you know, you know, that could go back to the UFO phenomenon. Now, wildlife biologist Robert L. Smith said all of the sightings that he had heard about the Mothman could be attributed to the Sandhill Crane. It was a large crane that's nearly as tall as a man. It has a seven-foot wingspan and reddish coloring around its eyes. But, Point Pleasant, the this area is well outside the typical migration route of such a bird. So, if he was there, he would be out of place. It would still be a cryptid creature one way or the other. Right, right. Now, going back to the description you've mentioned several times, and it's definitely, if, you're, if you have a checklist of things for Mothman, glowing red eyes. Seem to be kind of oversized eyes, if yeah. you will, similar to like a moth that would have. Um, you had mentioned 10-foot wingspan. That seems to be pretty typical. Some smaller, some as much as they said 15-feet wingspans. Usually usually a dark-colored body and kind of a stocky yes. build. What I thought was interesting is the original name Mothman. Some of the sightings were more of a translucent, you could see through wings, where a lot of more, I'll say, the the more recent sightings almost seem to be feathered. Not a moth-like at all, but more of like a giant bird. Uh, but So we got some variances there, maybe evolving possibly you know, through the generations. Now, a lot of people th- that saw the, the Mothman throughout that year didn't think much about it beyond that it was a strange and unusual creature that didn't belong in their area. However, the Mothman lore would sort of change on December 15th, 1967, with the collapse of the Silver Bridge. Okay, the Silver Bridge was an I-bar chain suspension bridge built in 1928. 
and it carried U.S. Route 35 over the Ohio River, connecting Point Pleasant, West Virginia, and Gallipolis, Ohio. Right. And it uh, got its name, I think, from the aluminum color yeah. of the bridge. Yeah. Now, uh, on December 15th, it collapsed under the weight of rush hour traffic. The bridge was full. It was Christmas time, you know, give or take a few days. This resulted in the death of 46 people. Mm-hmm. Two bodies, which were never recovered. I mean, a horrific tragedy. This bridge just collapsed. The cars were, were you know, sank into the water. At this its time, I think it was the largest bridge-related accident for death toll, at least at the time. Yeah, just a, a tr- tremendous tragedy. Uh, the cause of the collapse was the failure of a single eye bar in a suspension chain due to a small defect 2.5 millimeters deep. That so doesn't seem like, like much. Like one-tenth of an inch. Yeah, that doesn't seem like much. Um, now, also, additionally, the bridge was carrying much heavier loads than it had originally intended to carry and, unfortunately, had been poorly maintained. The legend of the Mothman would forever become associated with tragedy at after that point. that event, yeah. Because there were no more documented sightings of the Mothman after the collapse of the Silver Bridge. after that. Now, there's a lot of theories as to what Mothman is or, or was. Is it an alien? Is he a supernatural manifestation of some kind? A previously unknown species of animal? An interdimensional traveler? I liked that one. Interdimensional traveler, especially as we continue, we're going to talk about his association with with tragedy. And I think that kind of fits pretty well. Maybe is he here to warn us? Is he here as a harbinger? I mean... Well, in, in some of the interviews I was watching... Um you're kind of on the fence on what side you want to take, but it was a lot of people almost consider it like a guardian angel in a weird twisted way, warning of the dire events beforehand. Uh, but going back to the silver bridge, uh, I did want to touch base on one thing there. One of the ladies that was very active in keeping the Mothman legacy alive was a Mary Hyrie. And she was a, a newspaper reporter for the Athens messenger, the local newspaper there. But prior to that bridge collapsing, she was interviewed by uh, John Keel. Now, John Keel uh, wrote the book Mothman Prophecies. Yeah, it was later turned into a movie. Later turned into a movie. But this Mary Hyrie actually told John Keel in an interview that she had had a terrible nightmare before that event took place. I thought this was interesting. She said, in her words, I had a terrible nightmare. There were lots of people drowning in the river. And Christmas packages were floating everywhere in the water. Uh, she said, I had this dreadful, something awful is going to happen feeling. Now, when Keel had returned back to Point Pleasant around Thanksgiving 1967, other people in the area that he interviewed also randomly, not knowing that Mary Tyree or Hyrie had had that dream, also came forward saying they had nightmares uh, of this bridge collapsing, people, bodies floating in the water, an association with Christmas packages or Christmas time. I did see a reference somewhere that said it seemed that uh, people had been having prophetic experiences in the area that, that leading up to the collapse. For a very small town, uh, you know, especially at that time frame. So is the Mothman putting that in their heads or dreamscape know, kind knows? of stuff? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Going along with the, the association with the Mothman and other tragedies, we can we can go up to September 10th, 1978. And I may say this wrong, Freiburg or Freiburg, Germany. A mine collapse that resulted in the loss of an unspecified number of of lives. 
But there were 21 miners that day who were supposed to report to work, but did not. As they were traveling to the mine, they were, I think, at the mine entrance, getting ready to go down into the depths, a Mothman-like creature stopped them from going down into the mine, which they would call the Freeburg Shrieker after that. Now, I'd heard uh, another version of that story that said the Shrieker kind of looked like a pterodactyl-like creature. I've heard similar stories to uh, that, yep. I think you said you had one from 77? Yeah. Um, And one of the interesting little tidbits, and there wasn't a lot of information on it, but it was a sighting similar to this. Uh, Now, this was in Illinois on uh, July 25th, 1977, Logan County. A resident came forward and claimed that she was watching her children, young children, playing in the backyard one evening, and two giant bird-like mothman creatures actually attacked her children to the point that one of the the larger of the two birds snatched up her small son and actually lifted him, not to the point of flying away, but lifted him. It sounded like six, maybe eight foot up in the air and a distance, and then it was like too big to carry, so ended up dropping it. That Wow. I mean, I that's, that's, the, that's pretty scary stuff. That is the only case I've heard of the Mothman being aggressive yeah any violence or anything associated whatsoever Uh, but yeah that was a strange one well another tragedy april 26 1986 if you know what that day is the day of the chernobyl disaster in russia reactor number four of the plant exploded and led to the city of pripyat nearby being evacuated Uh, reactor design flaws and a breach of protocol during a simulated power outage test caused the reactor to explode Now, fewer than 100 deaths are directly attributed to the explosion, but the total number of deaths due to radiation exposure has never been determined. No one knows how many people lost their lives as a direct result of Chernobyl. Now, several workers in the week leading up to that disaster claim to have seen what they called the Black Bird of Chernobyl, a black winged shape with red eyes would occasionally be seen in the area. Of course, that strikingly sounds like the Mothman. Mm Mm-hmm. And even the day of the explosions, uh, many claim to have seen this this black bird rise up above the horizon right before the explosion of Chernobyl and the evacuation of Pripyat. So, Again, possibly warning of dire consequences and events occurring. In 1999, and I'm probably going to butcher this because I'm not Russian, <laughs> but Russian newspaper Zvobodnaya Gruzaya. That's a great attempt. Sounds good, right? We're going to go with it. A Russian ufologist claimed to have seen Mothman sightings around the city of Moscow. Now, in 1999, uh, not long after that, was what what they called the Russian apartment bombings. A series of explosions that hit four apartment blocks in the cities of Byunansk, which I probably, again, butchered, (laughs) Moscow, and Volgodonsk, killing more than 300 and injuring 1,000 more. Wow. So another tragedy, great loss Big of life, tragedy, yeah. and a sighting of a Mothman-like creature. Now I'm going to be as sensitive as I can with the next one, but again, uh, prior to September 11th, people claimed to have seen a large black shape in the vicinity of the Twin Towers, and some even claimed to have seen that shape in the smoke and debris on the day of September 11th. I think I've even saw some online photos representing that. Yeah, so, and, and and again, another great tragedy. Now, again, I mean, you're touching, which I think is, is really cool, um, while obviously a large amount of these Mothman sightings were in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, 
obviously they're not contained to there. I mean, we're way overseas. We're in Russia. We're in, in yeah, New the, York. The Mothman does seem to be a harbinger of um, doom. Even back in the 60s, um, you know, it was as far north as Ohio, as far south as Kentucky. Uh, and that little town of Point Pleasant, especially around that TNT area, definitely seemed to be a hot spot, uh, which, you know, again, Point Pleasant, just kind of put into perspective, is kind of southeast of Columbus, Ohio, obviously in the West Virginia border, but several states kind of touch up into that area. And I wanted to talk a little bit about Point Pleasant itself. Um, today, it's a population of about 4,000, 4,300 people. And obviously that's grown considerably from the time of the the, the bridge collapse. Um, some notable people uh, from that area, you know me, the historian, I've got to throw <laughs> this in here. Early settlers of Point Pleasant was actual Samuel B. Clemens and his wife, Pamela, uh, grandparents of the great author, Mark Twain. Uh, there was also a Carl Probst, which was born in Point Pleasant. Uh, he was an automotive engineer and credited uh, with the design of the Jeep. Uh, and then, kind of possibly related to the whole Mothman, a Shawnee chief by the name of Chief Cornstalk uh, was taken prisoner where this town is now, and he was later killed by an angry mob at Fort Randolph, uh, November 10th in 1777. I... I believe I have seen that that in a in a documentary or something. They have didn't a he, statue of him did, in yeah, there in the he town. Curse the town. Exactly. the The rumors, the story, uh, is that upon his death, basically his last dying wish was he cursed the land, and some people are associating that back to possibly the Mothman. Um, so again more possibilities, interdimensional traveling, guardian angel, demon, <laughs> Native American Indian curse. I mean, this this could go on forever and ever. We do have a, a couple more recent sightings of the, the Mothman. On August 1st of 2007, at rush hour, the bridge on Interstate 35 in Minneapolis, Minnesota gave way at its center. Another bridge. Another bridge collapse. 13 died, 145 injured. Reports after the fact trickled in of a Mothman-like figure that had started to appear near the bridge about a month prior. Now, here's a, here's an interesting one. In April of 2009, residents of La, La Junta, Mexico, or La Junta, again. Probably La Junta. Probably La Junta. Began noticing a tall, hairy, winged creature with wide, bloodshot eyes. Uh, it chased one student relentlessly in what he described as a those were 15 minutes of maximum despair. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Uh, other witnesses claim to have heard the creature in an apple orchard near the Manaka Cemetery nearby. Now, strangely enough, at the same time that these sightings began, an outbreak of swine flu hit this small little village. Ooh. And, you know, in, in these in these places that are kind of out of the way and underdeveloped, you know, those outbreaks That's can tragic. be pretty significant. Yeah, yeah. Now, beginning in 2011 and, and all the way up until 2020, there's been a Mothman-like figure seen in the Chicago area. Came across so, several instances of You may of have that. a little more than I do about the Mothman there. Well, in, in kind of my research, starting about 2017, it seemed to be, um, there was a huge spike, especially around the Chicago, Illinois area, for Mothman-like sightings. Uh, these continue all the way to present day. They uh, kind of call it the Chicago Mothman is kind of what it's dubbed. Uh, one recent sighting was in November 2019. A, a truck driver claimed to have saw this mysterious creature while he was working on the job. 
he was picking up a shipment uh, of, uh, of something at the O'Hare International Airport. And uh, the witness said he was having a cigarette uh, there at the backside of his truck waiting to be loaded when kind of in the distance he spotted something like a large bird standing upright in a parking lot uh, up against a fence. He said in his statement, it, it looked like a person with wings that were stretched out and they were flapping. Uh, so obviously the movement got his attention. Uh, from yeah, what I understood, that it, was, would stand out. it was kind of dusk and it was uh, almost romanticized with a, a big light that was kind of over top, but casting some shadows. Um, he said that, you know, he watched it for probably a period of four or five minutes trying to convince himself of what he was seeing. And it finally, it, it just flew off. Now, reports like this have been numerous, uh, especially over the past three years. I found as many as 55 sightings uh, similar to this winged creature uh, all around the Chicago area. Uh, in January of 2018, uh, the police was interviewing an employee of uh, what was called the Logan Square Bar. And he said he spotted the Chicago Mothman gliding above the northwest side of the neighborhood one night over and over. It was like it was circling. And this individual, he was a bouncer. His name was John, and I'll probably butcher his last name, but Amitrino. Uh, he, he reported it didn't look like a bat uh, so much in some of the illustrations that he had saw, but more of like a pterodactyl uh, kind of creature with the more of a long beak. You know, so nothing really, he didn't think it was the Mothman, but obviously it was something out of place. And he said it didn't fly like any other bird he'd ever saw. Uh, so again, might have something significant going on in Chicago. Well, I was going to say, I, I, I don't, beyond the ordinary, un, unfortunate gun violence that Chicago's known for. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can't think, I can't of, think any of any outstanding tragedy right. that the Mothman might have been there for. I did want to go back and we'd mentioned Mary Hyrie a little bit. And, and uh, I think she's a, a key player in the early stages of the Mothman. Uh, she was born in 1915. Uh, and lived until February 15th of 1970. Uh, she was a newspaper reporter, as I'd mentioned, for the Athens Messenger. She was the manager of her office there on 6th Street in uh, downtown Point Pleasant, West Virginia. And during the whole Mothman sightings, uh, she was kind of first, first boots on the ground, so to speak. And she would pick up any uh, stories that anyone would share with her in a column uh, which was named Where the Waters Mingle Due to the Association of the uh, River. Yeah, I, think, I think I've heard that before. And that's what got uh, author John Keel's attention because, uh, as you had mentioned, people just kind of dismissed it. They were a little leery to talk about it, but because she was a native uh, and mixed and mingled in the small town, people seemed to open up to her. And so she recorded a lot of those incidences up to the time of her death in 1970. Now, unfortunately, when she passed away, nobody really kind of picked up the pen. Uh, so a lot of those stories were kind of lost or passed down second or third generation. But John Keel heard about her and, and, you know, came and interviewed her several times there at Point Pleasant. And that's obviously where he got the majority of the content for his book. Um, and this, you know, this continued on. But she mentioned early on that she had multiple accounts with the men in black that would show up at her little newspaper office and kind of persuade her, I might be the best way to say, to cease and desist. Well, the, the men in black are typically there. In, in, and again, you could we could probably do an entire episode on men in black. Oh, goodness, yes. But that it's not, you know, it's not Tommy Lee Jones and, and Will Smith. It's 
an intimidation. Like what you saw, you don't think, you know, uh, a good representation of, of the lore is definitely in the X-Files right. where it's like, okay, you you think you saw a UFO, but if you tell anybody you saw a UFO, they're never going to find your body in the desert kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, intimidation factors. Well, Mary, you know, especially for this time, become relentless after she was basically, I, I think it's maybe that newspaper editor type, you know, spirit that she had. After the men in black showed up, she's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to take this the step further. I'm going to interview people. I'm going to record as many stories as I can. She was just uh, relentless in her endeavor to report this strange phenomenon, regardless of what the men in black tried to, to get her to do or not do. Uh, her most notorious and well-known stories was one in which she regretted uh, having to write. And these were numerous reports that she released on the collapse of the Point Pleasant Silver Bridge uh, and how it killed 46 people uh, that we had talked about. And she was just heartbroken over this. And part of that, I think, goes back to her later sharing with with Mr. Keel that she had a vision, a nightmare of that event. It was almost like she took that personal. And some people believe it was, you know, two years after that, that it, she actually died. It may be that, you know, she believed that she could have done something. But again, um, you know, when you think of prophecy and things like that and, and, you know, visions of the future, can you change those things? You know, that, that, that's one of those, you're, you're, maybe you're seeing the immutable, you know, there's nothing you can do. Is it They're, a gift? Is it a curse? Are they going to shut down an entire bridge? From and, what one and, lady says. Yeah, because one because one woman had a dream. Yeah. You know, we talked about John Keel and the Mothman Prophecies. Have you ever seen the, the Mothman Prophecies movie with Richard Gere? I have. I don't know about you. I find it a hard watch. I That's, <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Yes. I, I took my wife to see it before she became my wife, thinking that that would be interesting. You know, it was a Mothman story. Obviously, I'd heard of the Mothman. I thought that'd be... I uh, He definitely seems to tackle the more esoteric... You know, the, the, the visions, the men in black and the things like that and strange phone calls. It it filled in some gaps of the Mothman mystery that I didn't know were there. But I don't really felt that I needed. <laughs> right, right. So Well, and he even talked about it in an interview, as I said, you know, the early reporter, uh, Mary Hyrie, had passed away in 1970. So it's like he had a good foundation and then there was a certain period of time there that it was lost. And I, he didn't use the word ad lib, but he had to struggle a bit more to find filling uh, yeah, and, for that area. And I mean, people having prophetic dreams and, and encounters with the men in black and, and we don't touch on it here, but you have injured Cole is cold. I think is a name that comes up as a, you know, and the UFO encounter almost at the same time. Right. And it's like, Okay, maybe you had multiple things that were happening that didn't necessarily relate directly to the Mothman. Well, and again, you had the TNT installation there with goodness knows what being yeah. you know, in the water. Could be well water, soil, all kinds of stuff. But definitely it put uh, this little town in West Virginia on the map. I mean, they kind of embraced it. Uh, they they have a Mothman festival. Well, I was going to say, you you want to talk about the legacy of the Mothman, and right here in my notes, Point Pleasant has embraced the Mothman. Uh, that little town has exploded, and a couple times a year, well, during the festival for sure, they mentioned that their population can double yeah. in size. Yeah, they, they first started holding the Mothman festival in 2002. They 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 wanted to find something to celebrate their town and its uniqueness and and. It doesn't get much more unique than being the birthplace of the Mothman. Absolutely. 
So they wanted to celebrate the legacy of their town. Their estimated attendance is ten to 12,000 people per year for this festival. And you might remember I mentioned population today is 4,000. Yeah. So um, they have a 12-foot metallic statue of the creature that was created by artist Bob Roach that they unveiled the following year in 2003. And in 2005, they opened up the Mothman Museum and Research Center. So they've really gone all in on Mothman. And the Mothman Museum... Um, that that is going to be one of my stops and, and a future trip. I've got to go see that. Um, it's actually open seven days a week. Closed, I think, on Thanksgiving and Christmas, uh, right there on 400 Main Street and uh, Point Pleasant. But uh, they boast, obviously, they are the world's only Mothman Museum. But uh, they have rare archives all about Mothman, mysterious happenings, some of those original interviews that the newspaper editor had done, her notes, newspaper clippings. And then, of course, out of the movie that you mentioned, uh, I think they went in and just like bought all the props <laughs> from that entire movie. So those are all on display. And then obviously, hey, you can get you a souvenir T-shirt, a hoodie, book stickers, buttons, you know, whatever yeah. uh, you can to, you know, to advertise that. Well, if you want to go to the Mothman Festival, it's the third weekend in September. So we just missed this year's festival. 18th year it would have been. Of course, I'm sure coronavirus had a had an impact Might have on it. dampened it a little bit. They typically feature guest host speakers. They have vendor exhibits, pancake eating contests. Ooh, I do like pancakes. And uh, hayride tours of the locally notable areas related to the, the Mothman experience. One little last note here, something I found quite interesting. I had read this. In June of this year, 2020, a petition was started to replace all Confederate statues in the United States with Mothman statues. <laughs> I know this I had is not heard that in these contentious times. I, I know the Confederate statues, you know, they, they, they strike a chord with some folks. Yes. Yes. Uh, as of July of 2020, there were over 2000 signatures on the, the, the petition. So I don't think we're going to see Mothman popping up all across the country. Probably not, at least in statue form. But I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind if we had one. Put one up here in London. I'm fine with that. But uh, I just, I found that to be. I had not kind of interesting. That, that's kind of interesting. So. Well, obviously, as we said, this little town. I mean, they had a huge disaster, which was terrible. Mothman kind of seemed to disappear after that for many years. But they've made the best of a bad situation. Uh, the little town had pretty much dried up and become a ghost town. I mean, especially after the World War II era with that and the collapse of the bridge. And, I mean, as you mentioned, with the festival, they're bringing in 8,000-plus people. Well, strange, strange tourism is a is a big business for these towns, you know. Um, well, I mean, we go all the way back to the first episode of Hopkinsville Goblins, you know. Right. That's a little town that wouldn't wouldn't be known if it wasn't for the, the Hopkins, the, the Goblins. These weird, twisted, paranormal, creepy tales and and some essences are keeping these little towns alive. So, you know, you go, little towns. Yeah. I mean, they need to cash in on it. Absolutely. Make all all the money you can. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think this is just yet another example of stories that you'll find on Nightmares on the Lost Highway. Thank you for joining us all. Hey, this is Eric, and I just wanted to give a little reach out and a plug to our first paying sponsor for Nightmares on the Lost Highway. That's our little family uh, toy and gaming shop here in Lebanon, Missouri, called Raven's Loft. If you happen to be in the central Missouri area, please check us out. We have two locations. First one is at 223 West Commercial, downtown Lebanon. We've also branched out to a second location out at the Heartland Antique Mall, also here in Lebanon. 
You're going to find all kinds of vintage toys, Star Wars, Star Trek, G.I. Joe, Transformers, Mego, Universal Monsters, all types of gaming, board games, Magic the Gathering. So we would appreciate it if you'd uh, stop by. You can like our Facebook page. Uh, swing by and check us out. Thank you so much. I would like to thank uh, Alex Tudor, who has been helping us uh, a lot uh, with our endeavors on this podcast. You can call him our producer at this point, I think. Our producer, electronic recording technician. Uh, um, he's uh, the one that's setting up all the mics and the hardware in the background. And then Bill Weirs is going through taking his time to try to clean and edit this up and uh, give us the best possible version that we can present to you folks. want to thank everybody involved with that.